Welcome to another episode of Crowdcast. I am Tolu Azizo, and with me there is Ezra, and we have a special guest today, um, a friend of mine, new friend of mine, who I met at Startup Chile. Her name is Shrin. She's Hi. Indian, and she is the founder of Clap Global. I could tell you all about it, but she's Clap. Oh, okay. Global. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I could tell you more about it, but I think she do a way better job. So, how do you how do you spell? Hi, nice how do you spell her name? Ezra, S H I R I N, Shirin. Shirin. Okay, all right. I thought you said Shirin. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, how are you good? Yeah. Nice, <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Nice to Very meet close. you, Shirin. Nice to meet you and your nails. <laughs> <laughs> so Before we start recording, right? I was telling Shirin about. Um, the similarities between Jaden Smith and Ezra and how they both paint their nails, they both have dreads and they both are considering androgynous dressing. And <laughs> then she showed me a picture on Instagram of uh, you, Ezra, okay. and your painted nails. Okay. And now I'm really curious about the nail story. Is there a backstory to that or um, I'm not sure there is a backstory as such. Um, it's uh, over time. Um, I've always been leaning on the feminine side of things, of um, appearance for some reason. I don't know why. I think um, even when Tolu met me, you're laughing, right? (laughs) When we we met about six years ago, I used to wear earrings at the time and all. And then Mm -hmm. I used to plait my hair and all. And... um, Yeah, and I think I used to. In dance. all fairness, <laughs> in all fairness, painting yeah. nails and having cornrows could have been taken to be gangster and you know hip hop culture. Yeah. So go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, I wasn't. I was nothing close to being a gangster. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think the nail thing started in 2013. Um, for some time, well, I go to the salon for frequent manicures. And then I started I started applying um what's this thing called again? Um this uh Neil Hardner. Neil Hardner, yeah, ah. exactly. And then yeah. this random day I decided to try a nude polish and it looks oh, that's good. cool. I use it. Yeah. I don't and it looked good. And I was like, Oh yeah, I can totally do this. Well, for a bit I was um I was kind of self-conscious about it because, well, I live in Nigeria and, um, or I used to. <laughs> uh-huh. And, um, yeah, that, you, that's not something you find people doing or find no, find, see as normal. So, yeah, I used to be self-conscious about it. Like, oh, my God, are they looking at my nails? Oh, oh shit, oh, shit. But <laughs> over time, I got over it and I started doing more flamboyant colors, red, blue, Weird colors, multicolored nails, and all that. I think two Christmases ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Two Christmases ago, I did like I had about twelve unique colors on my hands, and also yeah, eventually got used to it and stuff. So now it's something I do on the regular. I you I think you barely see me these days without my nails polished. So yeah. Yeah, I I like how you calculate time in Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Go and. Nice. 
Yeah. Glad to hear. It's uh, unusual and very interesting. So how was your week, Ezra? My week, well, was a lot of paystack, um, paystack activity and all. Um, someone, you know, we did a quiet launch two weeks ago and someone put us up on radar. Someone put us up on radar and then we started getting a number of questions. Um, we also got a number of um, people who registered, who integrated with their um, products and basically take testing, taking them live. We had to um, work on our Android, um, our Android library as well because um, AfroCab took us up and um, they're currently using us. They completed their integration successfully nice. yeah, during the week. So yes, right mm -hmm. now. So pretty much um, that's like um, a better Uber to an extent, well, because um, you can add your cards, you can get charged the way Uber was supposed to be, the convenience and all that, and you get charged in Naira as against getting charged in dollars. And also that's, that's a big win for us. And um, we hope to see more of those along the way. So, yeah. That's it. I was going to start asking questions about AfroCap, and I realized you probably won't have the answers. So maybe we can get them on the show sometime. Yes, we, we should. We really should. Um, the, um, I think Annie, I met him sometime last year. Um, I'm not sure if you remember. Our first, um, our first meeting wasn't so glamorous. I'm not sure if you remember when I had uh, this... Um, uh, when he and... Um, Onyeka had this argument on radar about uh, taxes, about how the future, the, the, there will be no point to owning cars. And that has even started already today because Uber and Africa. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. And he was um, trying to like play up the, basically, in my opinion, he was playing up the advantages of, of riding Uber or Afro. While I was like, well, yeah, yeah you know. Um, Onyeka was on the opposite end anyway. Like, it's cheaper for her to maintain a car than to spend a lot on Uber every day and all. And then I did this little commentary about what went on. And, well, I think that was also kind of like my first, in quotes, big break on radar. Because <laughs> that's when oh, everybody <laughs> knew, okay, this guy has stuff to say and all that. And, you know, and since then... Controversial. Yeah, stuff. controversial. And since then, I've been riding the wave. So, yay. Anyway, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, and then we met uh, we met at a um, at a design meetup later on, where that was when we met in person. I was like, hey, Annie, hey, this and yeah, we did off, we exchanged emails, we started uh, we're in communication since then, and all that. Yeah, when Pista came along and they saw how useful it could be for their business, they took it on. So yes, we're glad to work cool. with them on uh, Android library. So. Yeah. So two things I wanted to say before we continue is one, um, Paystack is Ezra's new company, mm -hmm. um, the one who co-founded with Shola. Two, Raya is a community um, for Nigerian. Actually, anybody who wants to know about African tech to just oh. have conversations. So it's like a forum. It's a, okay. an online forum. Uh -huh. um, so if you go to Raya.techabal.com, yeah. Techabal is one of the top um, tech. Tech blogs in Nigeria. Online. Or in Africa, yeah. Really. Okay. In Africa, yeah. So um, yeah. that's where we, that's our main audience sometimes, actually. Like, that's where we post right. um, our podcasts. 
uh, and then what was the one thing? I forget, not so important. Uh, and yeah, she didn't mention that Paystack is no longer paystack.co, it's now paystack.com. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, we got our .com domain name last week as well. Okay. <laughs> and then we also got the Twitter account because we used to be on Paystack, Paystack HQ prior, but we got the Paystack mm-hmm. at Paystack. So, yes, that's... Is it a secret how much you had to do pay, who you had to sacrifice to get it no, we the public knowledge. Um, well, I I'm not sure I should disclose how much we got it, but yes, we got it okay. from the. It was also, it was owned by the prior owner of the domain name as well. So, and um, good enough. He actually works um here in the Bay Area. He works with Harpool now, so it was easy to meet up with him. Yeah, yeah have a conversation and then take everything on take everything off him. So. Yeah, signed off all the trademarks and all to us. So yay, we own Paystack now. We own the name, we own everything. Before we go to find the boring life of Elon Musk, can we talk about the interesting person? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just going to hand over to Sharon and let her do her magic. Um, First thing I'll say is she's super awesome. Um, She has worked with three of the top five ad agencies in the world. Yeah. Oh, cool. Did you looked me up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Professional stalker. Okay. Um, yeah, I did. Um, and I'll let her talk all about it. And then she has a big pitch coming up on Monday, like I said before. So I guess she'll do part of the practice right now, talking about Club Global, what they do, <laughs> and we'll ask her questions. So over to you, Talia. All right. Thank you. So, so CLAP is uh, it's a it's a platform that enables like international travelers and tourists okay. to visit local classrooms and have like eye-opening conversations. Okay. So, just to like explain it to you. So, for example, you're in San Francisco, yeah. and um, so imagine that you sign up with CLAP and you put in your dates that you're going to be in San Francisco from now to maybe a couple of months from now. And uh, schools in San Francisco sign up with CLAP and uh, a school, you know, uh, says, we'd love someone to come into our classroom from a new country and we'd like someone to come in on the 27th of February. And they hit enter and they'll see a list of profiles. They'll see Ezra and they'll be like, oh, cool, um, you know, I mean, he's from Nigeria, maybe we're studying about it, and uh, let's, he, he seems really cool, let's, and his nails are awesome, let's invite him. <laughs> and uh, saying that, you know, a teacher saying that, Ezra, would you like to come in and talk to uh, 12-year-old kids in our classroom? And you'll go there and share about, uh, you know, what do you guys know about Nigeria? And kids will say, you know, wh- whatever they, they know of from the media. And then you'll be like, well, you know, this is my house. And you show, like, we give you a reference PowerPoint. Okay. To, you know, help you plan your talk. And you'll be, like, super visual. And then you'll be like, this is my family. This is what I do on weekends. What about you guys? What do you guys do? And these are my dreams. This is what I work on. And so what's happening currently in Nigeria is my opinion on it. What do you all think? So it's, it's, it's like this sort of unique first-hand cultural exchange. So instead of just learning about Nigeria from the textbook, now yeah. as they grow up, they have a picture of, of Nigeria through your eyes and through meeting you. So it's about getting to learn about the rest of the world through people and uh, really like sort of 
building a new generation that is um, you know far more compassionate and understanding towards each other all right so, so um do people have to meet uh, themselves so that's, so that's do people have to meet themselves for this um for these conversations that? to happen you mean like the travelers yes oh yeah so you basically you just sign up as a traveler and yeah. you add your where you are where you're from and your available dates Okay. And then the schools will sign up and they'll add uh, a preferred date they'd like to invite a traveler. Oh, and, okay. Uh, okay. Okay. And there's like, and clap dot, clapglobal.com will make an easy match by available dates. Okay. And then the schools will go through profiles of travelers who are around, tourists who are around. It's basically two physical worlds that are overlapping. Like a school could be studying about, about uh, Egypt and there could be an Egyptian two blocks away could actually come and talk to the kids, right? Yes, 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 exactly. So it's um, it's about just creating this interaction and opening uh, opening doors to to all kinds of conversations. So so far we've had like um, you know forty classrooms, clat talks in forty classrooms with travelers from like eighteen different countries coming in, and it's been it's been really fun because so many little anecdotes that come up and so many stories. We're actually going to create a publication called Cap News that sort of, uh, you know, en enables people outside their classroom to experience it. Yeah. So I think Uzo is in now. Yes, yes. I'm adding him to the conversation now. Okay. Cool. All right. Um, can you send me? Can you send me the domain name Tolu so I can visit it and um ask uh, yeah. more yeah, sure. questions? Yeah. Sure. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Okay. Yeah, what's up? Okay. Well, that was That's for next week. Oh. Okay. I'm here. All right. Um. Welcome. Welcome. So we have um, a wonderful guest on the show already. Her name is Shirin. She's um Indian. <laughs> Anyway, so she's telling us about our startup, um, which is called Clap Global and, um, and what they do, which is um, basically facilitating conversations in, uh, from around the world in an educational setting. Uh, at least that's, that's the idea I get about it for, for now. Um, she can clear that up if yeah. I'm wrong. Um, you can sign up on the platform as a traveler, and then oh, um, you'll be in. Uh, you are Nigerian, or you are Libyan, or something, or you are Syrian. Let's even go controversial a bit, and you are coming into the United States. Maybe you'll be in Boston um, between this date and this date. Schools can like, oh, okay, this guy is coming in. You know, they, he can. Uh, they can get in touch with you, and then bring you to the school to talk to the students and all that. So if they're having like a lecture on um, international studies, something that has to do with Syria, as against reading from the textbook or, or just um, following what's in the media and all of that, you have someone who is actually on ground and can talk about, and can talk about it. And, all. and I believe this kind of applies everywhere as well because people travel from different countries to different countries every day. So yes, this is... A platform yeah. to meet. That, that was good. That was pretty much my goal. Yeah. And also, you know, like 
actually we don't really study about most cultures or countries we study very few and mostly it's the history and like when i was growing up i thought germany was evil because we learned about world war 2 twice for some reason <laughs> and until yeah. i actually met a german at 20s and i was like they're actually pretty nice and you know i mean it took me growing up and to be able to uh, you know chance meet a german to realize that but it shouldn't be this way right like so i was thinking that you know why should you have to be able to grow up and maybe travel and maybe be exposed to different cultures it should happen when from the age of 3 to when you're really really small yeah uh, to be exposed continuously like at least six times a year and it should become slowly part of the education system you know to welcome uh, travelers and tourists into your classroom regularly yeah uh, like you said you know like a class about international mindedness so so maybe you know sometimes if we earlier we would have an option of teachers to for teachers to look for a traveler by country but we realized that a concept of internationalization sometimes is so warped because we think of countries that are very often uh, you know just very few countries and a very aspirational sense of them or oh, yeah. if it's from a first world point of view it's very uh, you know stereotype about certain other countries but like we someone from finland for example coming and talking and someone from argentina who spoke very little english and uh, and it was amazing to see how the language barrier like it didn't exist because <laughs> you know she shared pictures and you know in her little spoken english she she taught tango she made them drink mate and she's like okay so uh, and they thought for mate was like it's really different right because it's this argentinian tea that they're obsessed with so uh or they they just used to so the kids had they were like um what is this and then she's like who knows messi and all the boys are like messi messi she like well messi drinks mate every day and they were like i want mate i want mate. <laughs> really cute and then she taught the tango and she was an environmentalist she's like okay how do you guys recycle in your country this is what we do so it was really interesting and in the end you just see the energy building up and then taking selfies with each other yeah. and yeah yeah so it's really cute and like for example you know the whole thing about boys and girls and no one really talks about dating because you know there's this whole thing about parental approval while you're growing up in at least in in more india so we've done like all these pilots and um, you know she was so surprised that a boy and a girl would not like sort of come together to dance with each other because they were so oh. conscious about what their friends would say about so it was it, it was really funny and uh, there was another traveler from spain who actually spoke about you know that who can guess why i've come to india and kids were like oh you've come to meet us and somebody was like you've come to yoga cuz she got a yoga mat she's like that's right but i also came because i fell in love you know <laughs> and she was talking to like maybe 9 year old kids and she's like it happens sometimes mm-hmm. you know you fall in love with someone from another country and you'll come and you know you'll come and live with them so it was really nice because from that age if someone tells you there's nothing wrong with that while mostly throughout your life your parents will be like is wrong she's not not even in our religion is not in our caste there's a caste system so basically someone like breaking all the stereotypes for you from the beginning yeah so yeah. so yeah lots of stories like that yeah ah oh, so what i'm trying to say is that actually we uh, we are trying to say that you know try, trying to tell teachers to welcome travelers from like anywhere you know like they would not think finland and they would not think latvia uh or syria for that matter but now yeah. it's becoming more of a topic in conversation but yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i think what was really fascinating for me was the the company with club was how emerges 
thing I'm very interested in, travel and education. And somehow it also has this social angle to it. It breaks stereotypes. It um, gives people cultural exchange. People who would have never gotten to travel, they have the countries coming to them. And on that tangent, first thing is to, I think I already mentioned how we met. So we're in Startup Chile together. But okay. I think it would be cool to hear a bit more about Shirin's background. Yes. Um, and how she got the idea of a club and what yes, she's exactly. doing in Chile and what's next. So, 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 where you're from. So, I grew up in Bombay. And, uh, and uh, so I schooled in Bombay. And pretty much uh, that's where the idea of club came from because I had my little world of my school and my family through which. That was the lens through which I viewed the rest of the world. Okay. And uh, I studied uh, science and uh, mass media. And I even did like cinematography for a year uh, before I started working with uh, in advertising with uh, different advertising agencies. And what I love is creating. I love making, just uh, creating new ideas. And a lot of my work reflects uh, a merging of uh, you know science and design or uh, I like the mixture of technicals and aesthetics. And so I've been doing work uh, across brands like handling brands, creative strategy, um, creating new kinds of campaigns, installations, typography, um, regular brand campaigns like television commercials, print, outdoor, radio, and all of that. I love mixing media and creating something new. But I think the biggest high for me is uh, to put a new idea out there that will sort of... Um, change the fabric of society a little bit, either solve something or uh, bring a new perspective to something, um, or even if it's making someone smile, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, but putting something new out there that creates some sort of positive social change. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so, so after working in advertising for 10 years, um, I realized that I'm more and more inclined towards, I had the idea of clap about two years ago. And uh, like I said, I was growing up with, uh, when I started traveling in my 20s, you know, I met all these people from different parts of the world. And I was like, my God, there's a whole new world out there. Why did I not know about this earlier? You know, like if I would wear something short, my mother would be like, what is this? Are you a prostitute? <laughs> And I'd be like, so I just thought it was wrong. You know, I had no other point of view to until, you know, I, I was more exposed to, you know, the world around me. And that's when I thought that, you know, if, if kids had this earlier, they would be more independent thinkers. Yeah. They would uh, learn to think for themselves, have uh, an independent opinion uh, when you have multiple points of view to choose from. Yeah. And their development would be different. And therefore, the development of Th that country would be different. Yeah. Um, and there would be more understanding between people because really we judge, children don't judge when they're young. And mm -hmm. we start, as we grow older, we start forming a mold and that includes, you know, uh, lens which we judge most of the world. But if you're constantly exposed to different people, you know, like until you've met the person, you, you know, that, that will never break. Uh, like a first-hand meeting just makes you feel like, oh shit, you know, I've met this person from from this country, and therefore, when you read certain news pieces about that country, you'll be like, well, no, you know, it, this is what media is saying. But you know, I've actually met people, and overall, people are like quite, quite, quite lovely. Yeah. So, um, so, 
so that's where i thought of a platform that could enable this on a on a large scale um that would empower teachers and travelers to find each other and also when we travel you know we we look for to do more things than just like go to clubs Ex- yes and exactly eat local food and go to museums <laughs> exactly i think we want to interact but we never have access to schools Yeah. So uh so this is something that lets you go and you know it's not even teaching it's just going and having a conversation and we give these like um conversation aids they are like balls called question balls um like when a school signs up uh and a traveler signs up they get a kit called the clap kit and in that there are do it yourself question balls so we should actually do that at some point should, um, uh, do, do you want a taste of it yeah. so i can pretend to be the kid and imagine you've come to india and a school has invited you and you're you're chatting with the kids in a class so so why don't you ask a question i should ask yeah. you a question no ask him oh. i know him <laughs> oh, but that kind of conversation is slightly different from from here like so for example okay actually um, tell me uh, ezra what yeah. is your biggest dreams my biggest dreams Okay that yeah. that that's like a very weird and extreme question. Can you like tone it down? <laughs> okay, what are your wedding rituals like? <laughs> that would be interesting. I'm quite curious. What are my what? Nigeria, what are your wedding rituals like? Wedding rituals. Wedding rituals. Yeah. Okay, meaning how do I expect my like, wedding to be like? Marriage. No, no, no. So in Nigeria, you know like in different cultures they have different things they Is do for weddings. Yeah. Um so in Nigeria you have the whole Ashabi okay. and then you have three days one for the engagement, one for the court wedding, one for one the white wedding. Yeah. Those are the kind of things she's asking. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, well, now to that, to that, I said that for you. Um unfortunately on my end I barely yeah, go for so such so. gatherings. So Okay. Yeah. And um, um on my on my own end um, differently. Yeah. How would I want to do mine differently? Uh, hello? Nobody's asking about your wedding as well. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, actually I I'm very curious. How would you like to do your wedding? <laughs> yeah, I would like a very quiet one. Um and perhaps order as well. Okay. Like um when I was much younger, I used to have this weird fantasy of getting married in the desert or something, just going up north. Um, in Nigeria, <laughs> <laughs> you're the only boy that ever had <laughs> fantasies about their marriage. Seriously. <laughs> Wait, Ezra, will you wear the dress? I want it on the beach. Will I what? Would you wear the dress? Since you want something weird, so you wear the dress. You wear the tuxedo. Um. Well, it might be a dress, and then yeah. <laughs> the address cool. yeah have I like pack- this dream this is actually like a more interesting question of how would you like to get married like how would you hi hey what's up you know the funny thing he said like what are your hopes and what? dreams oh my god this question is weird and then you end up telling us anyways like no 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 <laughs> i like to get I'm married not- in a desert wearing a dress Ezra wow <laughs> <laughs> Really <laughs> nice, nice way to paraphrase. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so you want something? What did I just? Um, what are some amazing places in your country? Oh yeah. Mumbai. <laughs> Which is about the only place I know. In your own country, not in India. Oh wait, in Nigeria. In, in Nigeria. Amazing places yeah. in Nigeria. Like I only know Lagos. 
Okay, so Lagos and Abuja, those are like the two. Oh my god, <laughs> Ezra. We have the Jesha waterfalls. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm, unfortunately, I'm not been to the tourist attractions, so I can't see anything about them. If not even Olumorok that is supposed to be right beside us there in Lagos, I've not been there. So, I think there's... Why haven't you gone? But haven't haven't you heard of, like, good places? Like, did you know Calabar has the highest variety of butterflies in the world? Thank you for telling me, What is that? Is it a forest? Perhaps you should be answering these questions about Nigeria. No, no, it's... It's it's a it's one of the states in our in Nigeria, and apparently it has the highest okay. varieties of butterflies in the world. That was surprising for me to find out. We have a really nice waterfall, um, Ijesha waterfalls. Okay. I'm trying to remember exactly where. Yeah, it is. the Ijesha waterfall. Uh, Uzo, yeah. Uzo, quick question, yeah. quick question, right? This fact about Calabar, did you find out when you were in Canada? No. You found I out found out Nigeria. while I was in Nigeria. Okay, all right. <laughs> what I want to show right now, you know that we actually need Clap Global for Clap Local, like Lap Local places. So imagine somebody from Port Harcourt coming to a school in Lagos to actually tell us about Lagos, to tell us about Port Harcourt, to two different states in Nigeria. So imagine somebody from Mumbai going to Delhi to tell them more about the culture. And that's going to be our next yeah. phase, which is like, yeah, because we want to start with completely different, drastically different cultures. Yeah, but I like the sound of clap yeah. local. Yeah, I like, like I, the, I, actually, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, because I realized that even though a number That's of Nigerians, really cool. for example, have traveled outside the country, there's very few of them that have gone beyond Lagos, Ibado, oh, Abuja. Really? Like some people don't know what's going on in Zamfara or where exactly it is on the map. I have heard of Zamfara. So the book. I think. <laughs> Did she mention it? Possibly. Uh, yeah, so I think it would be an interesting concept to have people from yeah. other states. And that kind of, in some way, addresses tribal stereotypes and... Yeah. Clap local. Yeah. I like it. Thank you, Tolu. I might... Um, yeah. I have taken that. Think about it. Tell me for my... Yeah. <laughs> what do people think of Indians in Nigeria? Um, they shake their heads when they talk. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, that's actually true. That's very true. What else? I think of food. Food. Okay. I think of food with spicy food with curry. Okay. And of Indians as people? Is there an opinion that most Nigerians have about it? Or? Cheap tech labor. What? Yeah. Cheap tech labor. That's mm-hmm. also, yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. I'm having trouble finding uh, the my, my CTO. Oh, that's interesting. In India. Why? In India. Why is that? Why? Because it's cheap tech labor. I I don't know. It's cheap tech labor, but bad tech labor. I don't know. Shouldn't that that be more convenient for you in that case? Easier for you to find. It should be. But but coming from the agency world, we usually have departments. There's an entire department of maybe like 200 people who are just on the digital and I've worked with agencies that are now that I'm an independent company and I need to find the one person in-house it's going to be a little different what would be different about it uh, so there are multiple people doing the back end here we'd want uh, maybe one person to, to to really know everything because the creative team handles the uh, 
the design and the front end and they're like um can you guys hear yeah yeah i think the quality of that person would much uh, much higher but anyway yeah so it does that mean like so tech labor in india from your experience so far is kind of they haven't really done much hiring because the agencies already have these departments now that i have to personally hire someone uh, that person would have to like be in house because in an agency you get to work on multiple brands mm-hmm. uh, now that the in house that would be the biggest difference that you work on one brand and you're like fully committed to it which is which is kind of cool because there's so much to build on this platform but um there's to be complete knowledge from cto side of you know how it integrates with social media how it integrates with um uh you know back end front end how the platform like the analytics everything but have you had any conversations with any of the multiple di- departments i have to find the uh, one person who knows like all of it so yeah i have i have when i go back it's going to change a little bit after startup chile okay because i'm working with uh, with developers here in chile okay at the moment yeah okay All right. It's interesting that it will be difficult to find developers in India, but okay. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise I work with an agency. I prefer to. Yeah, there are some really good tech agencies in India. Okay. But I would prefer like uh, to have someone in house. So is it that most people, like most of the developers, are signed onto agencies, and then the agencies then match them with clients, or? No, I think it's my personal hunt uh, okay. from now on. Okay. That that sort of new. Okay. So because my my focus was on the offline model, and then I'm also a designer, so building the designing the online platform. Yeah. But uh, now it's also going to be broader than that. So. Okay. So Uzo and um Sharon will probably have a lot to talk about in terms of like design. Oh, Uzo are you a designer? Started yeah, as a designer a long time ago. <laughs> long long time ago. It was um, okay. it was cool. I I I like design but um I think you've highlighted some important points like it's if I have something where I get ownership of the project and I can spend time focusing on details about it and iterating and building a polished product. Yes, I enjoy that, but um it's not often the case and it just I and I also love programming and ended up drifting in that direction um a lot more. So design of mm-hmm. lifetime I do have a question before sharing. Development um, is where it's at now. What's the question? Sorry, it was like a short for a bit I thought you had stopped talking. Um my question for her is mainly so did you mentioned the company structure before? Oh yeah, so it's um JWT Ogilvy and Mehta, DDB Mudra and DBWA Creative Landing Services Indian, the others are international yeah. network agencies. At least I recognize the DDB Mudra list. So DDB CWA you don't know them. Shame on you. Ogilvy and Mehta you don't know them. Ezra, double shame on you. No, I said <laughs> anyway, I, I said I recognize DDB on the list. That's what I said. So yay, DDB. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yes, yeah, yeah. My question really was: Having worked with top agencies, or at least just top corporations, how has it been transitioning from being the corporate worker to being a startup founder? I never looked at myself. I never associated. associated myself with corporate so much being in the creative department it was almost like like i don't own formal clothes uh you, you just sort of you're creating every day or like brainstorming doing new things and uh i think what was what was the benefits of that was always somebody else doing the paperwork and the running around 
and all that is taken care of, you really get to focus on, you know, the one thing, and of course, handling your team um, for, for, for the brands that you're handling with new ideas that are the projects that you're creating. Now, it's just basically, uh, the biggest thing is multitasking. But I think it's a saturation point after 10 years that, you know, uh, I, I don't think I can work on a brand that is creating, for example, a new car, because I don't, don't really believe that the world needs new cars. And I'm putting in my time and effort in creating campaigns for a brand to sell desperately by putting like slapping discounts their new cars. We can create a beautiful campaign, you know, there's always pieces of beautiful communication that will resonate with people. You can put a new thought out there and say that this is what the automobile company believes in. But really, at the end of the day, you're trying. I have to believe in what I'm selling. And I stopped believing in so most of the products that I was working on. Um, and sometimes when you're working with an agency, you don't get to choose that much. You can only at the most throw tantrum and say, you know what, I don't, I don't think this is ethical and I'm not going to work on an alcohol, for example. But beyond that, like as anything was getting more and more inclined towards creating my own product and doing something that would actually make a difference and actually have an impact and see that come alive. So, um, so I think that, I think I've just reached a saturation point and there's probably no turning back. But yes, the other thing is multitasking. I found uh, it really took off because of Aarti. Aarti Chhabria is, um, she's an old school friend of mine. And we sort of discovered this passion only recently. Like that's how CLAP started. So this is, this was my story. And then, you know, how I thought of the idea of travelers in classrooms. Then I met Aarti who was doing, she had a couple of companies, um, in the edutainment sector for children. So like she worked with say Hamleys or, um, you know, Fisher Price in uh, doing workshops with children. And she always wanted to have like uh, uh, children being exposed to the rest of the world. Like she wanted that international exposure also. And uh, when, when I shared this idea with her, she like really resonated with it. And, uh, and, and, you know, I said, uh, you know, I need some business advice and I have this, this, this idea and, you know, there's so much more to be done. She's like, what if I take care of business finance, uh, marketing, uh, and, uh, you know, that, that part of it. And I was like, what are you serious? So what do you do now and she does the business marketing finance. Ah, that's exactly the part that I do not do. <laughs> so, so basically what I do is, uh, creating, uh, the platform. So in terms of it's, uh, you know, uh, from, from taking like, okay, the idea of travelers in classrooms to um, the the UX design, the user experience, the designing the entire platform, which means uh, the from, from the graphic design to the UI. And of course I work with the tech, so that is my department. And uh, creating the entire communication the communication strategy that is along with Aarti, but basically coming from advertising background, handling CLAP brand. Then we have something else called CLAP News, which is uh, we're going to hire the head of CLAP News in June. So all the stories that fall out of CLAP talks, it can be really surprising. So we have uh, content like uh, five blockbuster questions asked by kids, or three things travelers said that made students crack up 60 seconds. So short, quick content. So we have a team of like videographers, photographers, um, uh, journalists. So I'm going to be 
looking over that as well, chat news as, as a department, because that integrates with marketing it. How many people do you have on your team right now? Uh, right now, we have uh, Christina is a Spanish. She did a clap talk and she joined clap after that. She's uh, heading sales and relationships. Um, Aarti is my co-founder, so Aarti and me. I'm the creative head. She's the business head. Who is so, handling your technology uh, right now? Okay, I can see uh, one, one uh, leap solutions on your website. Uh, yeah, that, that was when we when we put it up. But but right now, um, there is, uh, there's a developer who I met in Chile. Oh. He's Russian. And uh, he's been here for a couple of years. Okay. He's, uh, he's handling the, the developing. So what we do is I share my designs with him and he's sort of developing it. Okay. And um, yeah. Um, but when I go to India, I'll have to have another developer. So, All right. uh, yeah. Do you intend to go so. back to India? Because your startup um, appears to be one that it's, can be run from anywhere. Not really, um, you know, because, our, uh, so for example, if we have one school on board, we need to have a corresponding number of travelers yeah. uh, who can go to that school throughout the year because they need teachers to just with a click of a button invite travelers. How do you have any plans? So our marketing uh, plan is different towards schools and different towards travelers. Mm -hmm. So schools, we uh, have bodies that will have like 80 schools, 100 schools. So we go to the, like the Z group will have 80 schools and what? Um, there will be uh, certain schools who will have maybe 12 or 13. So we speak to one of them and then we have a referral program. So one school is experienced a class talk, they refer to five, after five other schools. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that sort of take off slowly. We've just been experimenting with different uh, types of plans. Yeah. But once we've noticed that someone experiences a talk, they, they're more than happy to share it. In fact, so these clap kits will cost a little bit, although it's a free platform. Once the school sign up, signs up, they can invite like as many travelers as they like throughout the year. Although we say invite five, uh, five to six travelers a year per class. Mm -hmm. um, you know, on free periods, post exams, uh, have an international mindedness class, not to disrupt the regular curriculum, but to, you know, just Supplement. Yeah, supplement. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and to travelers, the three types. There is expats, who are always there. There is the tourists. And then there is um, international students. And so there are bodies of international students. There are expats communities. We have the alpha person. And we have an entire marketing plan towards that. And for tourists, it was the maximum population. Like last year, there were 22 million tourists in India. And... Um, so, so we're going to have an entire media plan. So, you know, when you when you start planning your trip, what do you do? You start with uh, logging onto a couple of websites and start researching about you know things to do in Bombay, things to do in Delhi. So we start doing those tie-ups with say a lonely planet, yeah. start tying up with airline brands. So basically, that uh, that's a sort of studied. We work with a media planner and we do this. So, uh, so basically, yeah. Um, when it comes to uh, branding and communication of Clap, we're also going to shoot as soon as they go back. I shoot brand films. So, so to have to really understand the market and in a very initial phase, right? While I'm still launching the platform, the launch will be in, in March. Uh, you have to be there geographically where your where your market is. Yeah, I because guess. So. I have to ask the teachers that okay, what are your problems? Um, oh, are they? What, what do they do if the traveler reaches late? 
you know and what you, you have to really tackle everything give them more tips give you know understand from a traveler's point of view what's going on and once we crack that we crack another city maybe a smaller city maybe things work differently there so so once we tested out large cities small cities maybe one other in another country uh, where there's a different language about breaking the language barrier doing something um, more visually creating that many conversation is then we can create a franchise model which okay. can you know go on to uh i i think that maybe in a year year and a half we should be able to uh operate from <laughs> different places yeah yeah no all right yeah so all right interesting uh so okay. that's uh, that's yeah. fine so you you're going back to india <laughs> yeah how I mean, how long how long before you india start expanding your um school up globally no So you know, like uh, there have been a couple of people who have come to do. Like I mentioned, the Argentinian lady, she's very keen to bring clap into Argentina. We've okay. got somebody else who wants to bring it into Singapore. Okay. Um, I think, like I said, maybe a year and a half for us to even create a franchising model. That's once we know that we've we've addressed almost all the problems that yeah, we the, see. Yeah, the basics. Pro- uh-huh. The basics are now. Yeah. All right. Clap talk to function smoothly. All right, all right, cool. Uh, Basically, we want to make this like absolutely like it's its own entity and it's doing, you know, it's functioning fine by itself. But having said that, to build a brand, there has to be constant. You have to brand, do branding and communications, which is which is where I come from again. Where so I'm going to shoot brand films. So we probably have three forty-five seconders and an infomercial, and I'm looking at directors, showreels to uh, to pick, you know, the right director to work with. because uh, i see a lot of startups they under, underestimate the power of the that one video or the the video campaign that is very powerful and we continue to these and you have to create something you know instead of trying to hard to market yourself you have to create a piece of communication that that you know attracts people it's it's just the art of inducing curiosity and i think once you get that right everything else sort sort of follows suit pretty much something that sells itself right like yeah. one really well done video yeah could go to many places and could be used like it becomes this timeless piece of communication yeah. that yeah on a video campaign you yeah. have you know five videos you track the format yeah. basically so it's about you know we're not going to although obviously the bigger goal is is uh, to achieve like a higher understanding between people as they grow up and you know culturally but, but when we make the videos from a traveler's point of view we're going to just make it like a lot of fun it's just another really fun thing to do when you're traveling like you go and hang out with a bunch of kids and you have absurd conversations with them and uh, you know both of them take away like they usually on a high because children leave them with so many notes about come to my house and live for 3 years we do like before after so we ask the kids what do you know about brazil oh brazil is a football team oh it's also a country so yeah. it's like and they don't know anything so they okay so so what about brazil oh uh, the goalkeeper only the goalkeeper cannot touch the ball but uh, the explained rules of football when you ask them about brazil that's all they know so it's really really fun but after the talk by the brazilian guy from porto alegre they were like so enchanted they were like they asked him for all, we noticed between 9 to 12 they asked for autographs <laughs> and not only like on paper but they'll say right on my hand and they're so fascinated like it's just they, because they've never been 
met before no before so so basically he wants to be a local champion or a local star like a mini celebrity yep. you know after that he wants to be a celebrity and not your kids bully them sometimes they say oh why don't you sing your national anthem <laughs> and they're like oh i don't know if i remember all the words and kids no no please sing we'll all stand up and the whole class stands up and we're like what's happening <laughs> so there was a really funny incident where right. a school had scheduled two classes back to back and this german girl exchange student 16 year old came and spoke about uh, sp- uh, spoke about her country how they bake breads in east germany how they paint their easter eggs how she's living with a joint family and right before that this polish couple had come to speak and the guy was a graffiti writer and the girl was an architecture student and they spoke about i don't know they spoke a lot about symmetries and how beautiful symmetries were and there were so many symmetries in poland and um, a lot of the other landscapes and they would show a picture outside the house and the kids would go like whoa <laughs> and uh, they were surprised because they were like this is just outside my house and with the children it was something absolutely like new and they decided to hang hang around after their talk so they also saw the german talk and for the polish guy you know like Uh, this this german talk was also quite fascinating because they study about germany and one of the kids had asked the polish guy like you know how many languages do you know because in india a child grows up with maybe three or four languages you know their mother tongue the state language the national language and english yeah. so um so this guy is like i know, know polish yeah uh so the kid was like uh that my country's language is <laughs> like useless outside india uh, but um Yeah so so the guy was like I know Polish and uh, English and I had the opportunity to learn German but you know because of what we studied about Germany I didn't really want to learn German but now I regret it I wish I had learned German <laughs> so he stayed back for the German clap talk and she started uh, talking about like all these little things about her family and the landscapes across Germany and that and one of the kids were like oh please sing your national anthem so she's and she was a good singer so they, every, everyone stood up for the national anthem and this polish guy was like holy crap i have to stand up for the german national anthem now <laughs> <laughs> and she stood up for it i'm like did you imagine michael that you would have to come to in that you're traveling to india and now you're standing up for the german national anthem <laughs> <laughs> nice so yeah it's side anecdotes that keep happening yeah all right yeah um Sorry, I've been I've been silent a bit, but um the thing that strikes me about what you're doing is um I remember growing up and we had cl- class excursions. So you 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 know like the class goes out to a particular place and out of the school and you guys have a day out to experience a completely different environment and I don't really remember much of primary school, but the two excursions we had, I do they stand out in my mind. and i okay. excursions are not um when people talk about like startups or business ideas or things the school excursion is not something that comes to mind uh, that needs a reorientation but this seems like you're for example it will be hard to fly a classroom of kids to germany or classroom of kids right. to poland or whatever but instead you bring the experience and tech like i mean like just like a regular excursion you have a tour someone who who is guiding you on this tour i'm like oh you know what this is this and this is where this person did this and this is whatever somebody who's guiding you through the experience and here 
you're not, I mean, it's, it seems highly impractical to take people across the world, but if you can bring a tour guide with the experience and their props and Hey, they were already traveling there anyways, it seems like a good mix. So you get that whole exposure to a new environment and culture and person and ideologies and while still sitting in, in your nice classroom act. well yeah i mean yeah. It, you don't necessarily yeah. have to be sitting in your it's classroom like, no yeah just exactly. saying yeah yeah <laughs> i i really really like it it's um you know when you never really think of the well at least i didn't i would never have considered a school excursion as something that could be disrupted by technology or just a different mindset and approach and when I first heard about Clap Global, I was really, really impressed because this is not something that would have come up in mind. So very well done on the idea. I, I really, really liked it. Yeah. So tell me about your excursions. You know, it, it, it makes me wonder, like, what about you guys? When you school, um, did you all meet many foreigners or people from different countries? Nope. Okay, so in my, in my case, um, which also gives credence to what you said earlier about... Um, um, what you do helping um, to open up people's minds to what happens elsewhere in the world and you know you don't judge when you are young and all um, so which means you become more receptive of other cultures and all that and something like that actually I think um, a similar experience happened to me when I was in high school my high school friend was interestingly a Sri Lankan um, best friend okay. back in high school so um, I was exposed what to. Where? What high school did you go to? Igomode Grammar School. Yeah, you made me say that. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, yeah. Igomode Grammar School. It's interesting. Yeah. So he was, he was, he was a very interesting person and all that, and um, I got to learn at least a, I mean the things I was curious about then as a child where um, maybe things like um, cultural differences, obviously those ones were going to come up regardless. Religious differences as well. So he was, mm-hmm. he was Buddhist, right? Oh, he's Buddhist, I don't know. And um, basically they had this um, very different um, idea about religion from what we have here in Nigeria when you look at Christianity and Islam um, in the sense that they don't exactly worship a god in particular, but they have this set of um, faiths or moral values they had there too, and all of that. So, yeah, that was quite interesting to to observe. Of course, as a child, I had a couple of there was this conflict in my head, like, okay, um, how does one actually survive without believing in God and all of that? But I mean, being exposed to this person and um, saying, oh, they are doing just fine, and um, this is how people live on some other side of the world somewhere, you know, and all of that. Helped me um, approach religion and um, other issues with a more open mind, you know, and all that. So, yes, this is very great. And, and I see how it can benefit people from all over the world as well. Because we can start living a um, shell with um, stereotypes that we have about other people and, um, you know, with our own opinions and all of that being the primary and be more open, more receptive to other people, understand that people, that humans, we are very diverse individuals. 
and all and um, you know get to appreciate ourselves even more and all that so yeah that's like my takeaway that's from beautiful. yeah that we appreciate ourselves even more and that's that's true i guess the way we evaluate ourselves slowly starts to change yeah i had a question pop up in my head when uza was talking about class excursions and how he would never have guessed that that was a part of i don't know normal day life that needed disruption or a change in and i guess because right now i saw this do you guys know edx what is this edx is this mit and i think stanford um oh yeah online course oh yes um, yeah. one of the one of the courses they currently have is called mit x launch um beginning starting to be an entrepreneur or something okay. and it's targeted at high school kids and they teach them the whole step of being an entrepreneur but broken down into well high school language and um, something they can easily understand so you won't hear fancy terms like kpis and metrics that they'll simplify that and these kids come up with ideas based on the problems that they have because they tell them to start with a problem and then look for a solution and i was just wondering how it's interesting that shirin came up with the idea for something that would affect school children like primary secondary school yeah. children but also being curious as to whether that came from a point of view of a traveler or from the student and Which also just both yeah and also just wondering how many other things we are missing as adults in our jaded bias nature because it's very hard to go back to when you were a kid and things that made you upset in secondary school or with your family and actually come up with a solution for or yeah a tech solution or a solution in general for this kind of problems and this is like i don't even know where this thought process is going but wondering <laughs> as to the value of empowering more young ones like between the ages of 12 to like 19 i think we look out for we start from the age of 3 yeah to look out for problems and come up with ideas always to solve those problems because it's very hard for you to solve a problem that you don't feel or somebody close to you doesn't experience if that makes any sense Yeah. Yeah, so and that's yeah. why that's why that's why there's no Uber for desert weddings, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I should get that started, right? <laughs> really you know, I think you're so right to do and I think the age can go younger, you know? Like there's something very beautiful I saw recently uh, that uh, this 9-year-old girl, she's like, "Why do people keep asking us what do you want to be when you grow up?" Because you're implying really that i can't be something right now you know and that's so true because they can't think and they can have you know such points of view that we can't even imagine yeah like so something that we've been so conditioned to like seen in india on beggars right on the street who when the car stops at the signal there'll be a beggar begging for money and we're so used to that and sometimes you give some money but there was this 5 year old child and she's like why did you give money papa and he's like you know you should be generous you should give but he's begging and she was questioning the very act of begging she's like that's wrong you should not beg you should work for what you do and i think that now that's such a simple thing but just even a 12 year old would be conditioned by the time you're 12 the younger you go the more i think the questions are more metaphysical right yeah. and that's something that uh, that even a lot of uh, ib schools are realizing these days the the value of starting young yeah yeah cuz they subconsciously maybe they do, do, three year olds geographically don't know what is where 
but they're learning how to accept people who look so different, who speak different accents, who because they respond to love. Yeah. And that's all I don't they even need. think it's learning us like they're just that way. And I think we unlearn those things as we get older. Like yeah. when you're younger, you yeah. don't have to learn to accept people. You just accept people because it's what you do. Exactly. And then you go older and people tell you, so you know that person, you shouldn't talk to them because yeah. they're from that part of the town. And yeah. there are people 52 years ago did this to us and they are yeah. not our friends. Yeah. 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 That actually happened. Like, so this Finnish all these sometimes the kids get so excited, someone's coming to meet them and they try to impress them. So they learn up, they go to Wiki and they read up on like everything, stats and all. So when they, uh, when Charlotte from Finland came, one child was like, Oh, you know, the Finnish population is da 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 da. And she's like, Oh, okay, I guess it must be. And uh, then the kid later after the talk was like, So Finland and Russia are enemies, right? And uh, she's like, Well, you know, uh, it's sort of like India and Pakistan and but you know we're the new generation now and we should forget about these things but you know like my grandmother would be like oh Russians and the whole class was laughing <laughs> but it was a huge topic of conflicts of uh, like conflict patterns right that was being addressed in a very light conversational way and kids in their head they must be thinking now that yeah, of course we're the new generation like whatever you know like yeah. obviously we're over this stuff and um, I think it's important to uh, sometimes have these things come up in conversations uh, rather than preaching. Yeah. And that, that somehow actually stays or lasts longer. I agree. All right. So do we want to know anything more about sharing or do we have enough information? I, well, I was checking our website and, and I saw this um, underwater city projects that she worked on, which um, oh. yeah, appears very <laughs> cool. And also, that was my installation. All right. So the question, um, one question I have is this. So um, from the pictures here, um, is it like a wallpaper at the bottom of the pool or are there actually 3D objects inside the pool that you can interact with? No, it's not 3D. It's, uh, it's a print. It's, a, uh, it's an HD print of a concrete city, in this case, New York, oh, okay. at the base of a pool. And you're swimming or the buildings that the... Uh, that was surrounding the public pool. Oh, okay. They they felt like you're swimming over a submerged city. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it, 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 it actually looks it was it was um it actually looks really three D like. So I can imagine what the experience would be like. Yeah, yeah, for someone who's in the water, right. you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, cool. Yeah, that was a fun one. You you worked on a couple of interesting things. Apparently, from yeah, <laughs> including the handmade about posters, posters as well. Handmade herbal, yeah, yeah. It's a handmade herbal soap that's uh, that's popular in India. Actually, it's more popular with uh, with foreigners because of you know the handmade and the herbal bit. Uh, so I made like handmade herbal posters. It was sort of handcrafted and photographed. Yeah. Um, I like photography a lot. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, so that was fun. And uh, was there any questions? Um, yes. What, what kind of is there a particular culture or type of person you're hoping to bring to your Clap Global classes soon? Everybody. Well, you're more than welcome. Well, I mean, we. Uh, that's actually a good question because, you know, the more and more we think about, of course, like we want people from all over and they're continuously doing clap talks like every every week 
almost. Um, uh, and uh, but what we what we noticed is sometimes, say someone from from Palestine comes and talks, they will leave the children behind. They will leave them with a thought about Israelis to be of a certain type. We we try to encourage teachers to curate their talks also interestingly. So the next time, or if a teacher invites an Israeli, and therefore the Israeli can talk about. So the children should not be developing new stereotypes. Mm -hmm. So we want you know in addition to just having people from all over the world, this this curation and we, that that's totally up to a teacher. To um, so so it gives teachers a lot of uh, you know play play around. Uh, what do you say? Tools. It, it's also a tool to for them to, you know, maybe invite just six Americans in one year, and how different from each, so that you don't, you know, further form any other stereotypes. I did have a question about around that also about the kind of people that you invite into the classroom. What kind of vetting or process does club have in place to make sure that you're not inviting some, I don't know, um, exiled Ezra. What? <laughs> so, um, so we have like a basic digital verification process, and after that, we encourage the teachers to um, to a take up the presentation that the traveler will make beforehand, mm -hmm. and to meet with the traveler 15 minutes before, and they have the right to decline. So, if they feel that, you know. Um, this this person doesn't seem quite right, or maybe he's drunk from the night before, and we shouldn't be exposing him to the kids, or something like that. We can obviously say, you know what, I'm sorry, but whatever. But from what we've observed, is there's a certain type of people who who apply because once you sign up, you know they feel like a sense of responsibility to be in front of the class, and they usually put in time into making their presentations, and uh, in fact they bring things for show and tell, like from their football jersey Aww. to the mate to. And, and I think yeah, that's something also we encourage. So um, so hopefully, I mean, we will not have to deal with something like that. But of course, we do have something in place uh, where there's uh, a verbal communication and there's, there's a meetup between the traveler and the school. And of course, the traveler is always escorted in and out of the premises, uh, never alone. Yeah. So and we say that come, you know, two travelers at a time. Yeah. Some of the friend maybe take your pictures or whatever, but. But not like a big group. Mm. So, uh, so yeah, we have a couple of community guidelines in place for that. And then the business needs like, so how exactly does the money come in? Because right. it seems like a lot of um, logistics that you have to handle, a lot of connecting. It takes time, cash, resources, mental work. Right. You have to be paying somebody to do all that. And sometimes, like, how do you make money from this? Right. So, so of course. Um, the the platform is free, so on signing up, the traveler can um, go to as many schools as he or she wants to, and the schools can invite as many travelers. Once the user base is a certain number, so suppose we have a thousand schools on board, uh, we have meaningful brand partnerships. So, for example, uh, National Geographic Junior or Hamleys introducing a new toy. So Aarti actually went, I mean, she, she's worked with Hamleys before and she shared the class with the car. Hamleys is the largest toy manufacturing company oh. in like, I mean, they're based in the UK oh. and everywhere else. So 
so they in- introduced a new educational toy for example so she saw clap visiting cards travelers in classroom she's like how do you have access to classrooms and, and they want that database and that database is of value mm-hmm. so we have uh, you know spaces for branding or we integrate the branding smoothly so for example if the teachers are making clap talks you have um no you win a certain thing and we also have amnesty certification so that's one thing is brand partnerships and the second thing is the premium model for schools and travelers okay. on the travelers side too um we will partner with the airline or the lonely planet um so that when they sign up on their reference powerpoint presentation there'll be branding space but it be something that's useful to them so for example if they book the clap talk you might want to uh, book a cab so maybe uber's competition so we sign them on as you know brand partners yeah. so something that's functional that integrates smoothly with the product um those as branding partners and the premium model would be like the traveler who wants a video shot yeah. we already have a video team and the school may want a video mm-hmm. so a certain charge for that there's a certain charge for like at the at the end of the year you get um, different things in the cap kit additional things like an annual book things that for a school it's bragging rights to parents etc yeah so between the premium model and the brand partnerships um i mean if you sign on a few big big partnership deals um yeah that would be hard i think i'm just usually very wary of services or products that wait till they have a certain amount of people to start making money because it's so much harder now to just get the numbers and get the right kind of yeah but that's what we also tell our investors that you know don't even look at revenue for the first Two years. Yeah, but I guess we've got up with this. Yeah, that that's the next thing I was going to ask, which is good to know. So between now and when you, assuming you want to get your first one thousand scores next year, yeah, how are you going to sustain yourself between today and this time next year? So we have a really wonderful investor from Eaton Capital on board. He's actually an angel investor. Mm-hmm. He really believes in the idea, and I think in his mind he almost clicked, like within the first five minutes of us sharing the idea with him. and of course then i mean it took us a couple of months to discuss all the details etc and he was you know um, wanting to know about the revenue and uh, uh he's from an other industry completely it's um, coal mining <laughs> but uh, but he's on a personal level he's very very interested he wants to do something in the space of education and obviously he's looking at it as in you know investment in an educational social venture mm-hmm. and uh, we are foxy which is a for profit social enterprise uh yeah so uh for the next one year that's how uh, you know that's our, our target okay you know partnering with this investor of course and yeah. i think that's interesting okay. yeah i mean i have so anything left we are One hour. One hour in. Um, I guess if Shireen has questions for us as well, because um, this wasn't supposed to be an interview. We we're not supposed to put her on the spot, so she can. Yeah, I know. But I know. Yeah. But I guess I guess it's fine. You are practicing for your pitch um next week, which is great, and I would say you did well. Yeah. So that definitely be interesting to end the podcast with is for us to ask you guys and each other questions from this. question board so i know i'm sure you already mentioned but when the travelers go into the classrooms okay. they are given this question board okay they actually are question pentagons or octagons i will show you a picture later anyways okay. and then on each face 
there is a question that you can ask somebody. And there's one ball for the travelers to ask the children, and there's one for the children to ask the travelers, just to get the questions flowing. So if we don't have anything else we want to wrap up the episode with, I would like to do that. All right, let's do this. Yeah, I think we all say hi. Hi. I'll have so many questions for you. But yeah, let's start with sharing general questions and then we can go to the question. The general questions? Oh, no, from the goal. Oh, oh, we don't have any questions for But then I want to know, yeah, no, I actually, no, no, but they sort of overlap with their life. No, I just wanted to know about you guys. What are your travel plans? Like you're in Y Combinator and Uzo, you're based in Lagos. Um, and you guys come together for these podcasts, and uh, I just want to know what your what your goals were like, like uh, for your companies and what you plan to build in, yeah, uh, in the uh, near future. <laughs> All right, so so with Paystack here, um, the plan is eventually to um, move beyond um, Nigeria and uh, basically. Conquer Africa. Let me put it that way to to put it simply. Yeah, but um, basically moving to more countries like Kenya, South Africa, and Ghana. We believe those countries are ripe for um, a disruption okay. in payments and um, and also, yeah, that's that's a plan. And so when it comes to travel, I'm actually excited about that somewhat as well because uh, yay, I get to see more African countries because prior to now, the only country I'd been to was. Um, um, this country beside the uh, Nigeria Benin Republic. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's like the farthest I've been. So yes, this is actually going to be exciting because. Oh, um, I know that. It was the only day I was a child. <laughs> yeah. Um, something else. I love the way I have tangents, but do you know? Fun fact. Yeah. It is more expensive to travel within Africa than it is to travel from Nigeria to London. What? No, <laughs> that, I never no, that makes sense. What? That makes sense. How does it make sense? Demand what? now, demand and supply, economics, Tolu. Did you not, pass? Not even your... just. <laughs> no, maybe just, just, yeah, like, even that. But yeah, go on. Um, airlines no, tend yeah. to use a hub model. So, like, their, and their yeah. hub is typically the home their, their city home country or the or home, yes. home country. Right. Now, we don't have that many African airlines. So if you really think about it, those that are flying those routes are not the, like you said, uh, demand and supply. There's not as many, well, there's no Nigerian airways. And I don't know about Ghana airways and the cities they fly to. So moving within Africa is a lot harder than going from Europe to Africa simply because they have more flights coming in and they are more connected that way. It's sad, but that's the state of affairs. Uh, I think Ethiopia just had their train thing done, but like trains are not public transport in general in Nigeria is mm-hmm. not or in Africa is not organized the way it is in. Okay, so what is it in like Nigeria? Public transport, buses, and mostly buses, and things like what do you call them? The rickshaws, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Richard. I'm sure she will be at home in Nigeria if she ever comes. Yeah, I hear that the culture in Lagos or in Nigeria and in India are very similar in terms of like the transportation. I wouldn't know <laughs> the transportation system. Yeah, I mean, bombing is a lot. 
train like the train thing is really popular mm-hmm. and that's i guess the only thing um yeah the rickshaws all, all those you know like the tiny yeah. uh vehicles and all of that that that's quite interesting i guess it's fair enough that i mean demand and supply is just on a whatever it is sentimental level i just don't agree with it like why 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 do <laughs> why? i want to go to kenya and then it's just so much more expensive than going to i don't know so a lot of african people don't travel within their own no. continent too much oh, or even their own country to be fair yeah yeah okay. unfortunately wow. we don't yeah and the thing i'm curious about is like what history did you learn in school what history was optional <laughs> what what history had, did you learn in school oh history history no i'm not sure i actually learned much of history i learned more geography instead and well yeah, i, I think, had to, I, think, I had to read on my own as well so yes <laughs> i think, I think pretty that, much everybody uh, in uh, nigeria with a good knowledge of history what did you guys learn in social studies what yeah in social studies what did we learn in social studies so we have forgotten all of that um <laughs> current, more like current affairs exactly what did you say it's a more like it was more like affairs. current affairs yeah that's true So, there was no history like history of nigeria history of different countries in africa or history of like the world war 1 world war 2 history of china <laughs> as in now 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 you are now you are making jokes really so i think so the, i i definitely i definitely don't know any of that happening at, i think the closest best, thing i learned been history of nigeria and history of nigeria yeah history of nigeria is probably just one of the something tops you know like yeah, yeah. so the way schools like high schools work is like secondary school so from gs1 to gs3 you do some basic things like english math um what gs1 what gss1 think? like gss yeah junior secondary school okay one. okay and that i guess that's like form was that please help us out here what was that form what grade 7 to grade 12 or something like that okay so there oh, was wow, that's interesting yeah and then from grade Eight or nine, you oh, I don't know, thirteen, whatever. Yeah. You then decide where you want to go. Do you want to be a science student, in which case you take physics, um, chemistry, biology? Do you want to be an art student, so you take artsy stuff? Do you want to be a commercial student, and That's then you take some stuff. other thing? And yeah, science students don't need to take history. Okay. And I'm not even sure what history students learn. Okay. Um, so I really don't know. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. So I, but I think a lot of people that know about history mm-hmm. either read it themselves or yeah. were passed down some bias by somebody else who had read up on it on their own. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And what's the tourism industry like in Nigeria? Are there tourists from mostly certain countries or is it like a mixed tourist population? Are there more Europeans or what you is said, it like? <laughs> you said tourists. <laughs> Nobody comes to Nigeria for education. Yeah. It's not a tourist. It's not a touristy or the way I see it. Oh, like there are foreigners coming in. Yeah. So it's people I think oil is the big has the biggest number of expats in Nigeria maybe. And this yeah so um the, because we're, we're one of the largest exporters of oil. oil. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, not, not But cool. Um and that's where Potakas Like that's the main hub for oil, and this is where I start showing myself. That I don't know that much about Nigeria, but okay, I will try. <laughs> Please stay with you people. Okay. Um, I think most of the people who come in, expats, are 
engineers, like big engineers in that okay. sense, some of them European, but it's just so a mix. There's a larger expat population. There's definitely. And what about international students? No. The children of the. The, the, sco the schools, the schools that have um, international students, um, at least the schools I know would be, um, this, there's this um, network of universities in Africa, um, African University of Science and Technology. So they have, um, they have a campus in Abuja. Um, yeah, they have a campus in Abuja. So they do this um, exchange program of some, of some sort where the students actually move um, between countries and all that and then they also have partnerships with um, universities um, outside Africa as well in Europe and in the US so like for six months they have the six months exchange program where the students leave um, they, their campuses in Africa and go to um, their partner universities over there say like in France or Italy and then those ones come down to Nigeria so like when you go to a, a university when you go to that university in particular you see a lot of foreigners and all that but elsewhere, um, no, I don't and think... You're missing the most obvious tourist population, and those are people who grew up outside the country and are coming back for the first time or <laughs> one of the first few times. No, it, it sounds funny, but that is obvious. That's like it. Yeah. That's the major... Oh, you know what? I've, I'm just coming to Nigeria to look around. This is not work or anything. I just want to... Know my country. Know my route. Yeah. Yes. That is the biggest, as far as I'm concerned. Like, the, I don't see very many big cultures coming to Nigeria. We don't really have very structured tourist locations or things like that. And this was, we had a guest earlier on the show, um, I think like episode five, who was telling us about the, like, we actually had two tourist, touristy people. And it's funny that when they were doing their research before they set up, there was not, there weren't very many structures in place. There weren't many organizations that are like, oh, you know what, if you're coming to Nigeria, we will organize tours for you and take you to different places. Not that there's no sites to see, which is what she discovered over time and how I was able to even know about the butterflies in Calabar, the waterfalls and things like that. We have the places, but there's no organization around getting people there. So people don't, I mean, if you don't, if you have something, but you don't market it, nobody's going to come force you to sell what you're sitting on. Yeah. And we barely have museums as well. So there they are no remakes as such of even past relics or stuff that, um, actually you know, are museums. They are. Yeah, like I mean, I went to at least three when I was younger from school excursions. Okay. How oh, when you were younger, the National Theater stuff. When you were younger, it was a different yeah. place than it is now. Yeah. Because because when I was younger, I went to the first story building in Nigeria in Badagri, and the story we had in, a richer culture, and the story is a lot different a right culture. now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. music like how's the music industry there? It's like um, a lot of music festivals or anything that happens. Yeah, there maybe are some. Not, maybe not festivals, part. but yeah. Celebration. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there are 
songwriting. Yeah. Like the art thing is steadily growing. Okay. Um, I mean, those things have always been there, but there hadn't been a good appreciation for it. But yeah. of recent, I feel like that is becoming. Um, there's a larger pool of people who are appreciating the arts in our culture yeah. and coming up with festivals and other things to do. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then there's even like every year there's the Osho Shibu Festival, which is really cool. Which is that? You should go someday, you guys. Um, <laughs> it is. So we have this Osho. She's a river goddess. Okay. And some people go to worship her in her shrine. Goddess of which religion? Um, it's Yoruba. What? So Yoruba is my religion. It's a good religion. It's traditional. What do you call them? Traditional worshippers. Right? So wow. how do you call that? I know this. What tribe is like? It, there's no religion, but it's a. Tri- so tri- the, I, I mean, it is. A, yeah, yeah, more of a belief. Would you call it a belief? So it runs through a family or like a series of families or like everyone. Or there's an idol, or is it like? <laughs> this is when you realize you're ignorant. Exactly. Like I don't even know how to answer this question myself. <laughs> no, guys, are you serious? I was just being quiet because I'm far away. But like, this is. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay. Obviously, from from culture and historical perspective, like Nigeria was not a solidified country. All like all this was we have is because of colonial borders that Nigeria is what it is so there were different cultures and like in Africa that got merged together under the banner of Nigeria and these different cultures brought their different belief systems you know like there are people up like how do I put it Yoruba names aren't strictly re- like restricted to the borders of Nigeria actually even speaking Yoruba is not um, restricted Brazilian. to the borders of Nigeria. Hello? Oh. Yeah. No, no you can hear you. She just said Brazilians speak the language yes, of the yes, tribe. Yes, Brazilians yeah. actually How? speak Yoruba too. I'm yeah. so, I'm fascinated. <laughs> A couple. They okay. even, they even worship, sometimes they worship the same gods as well because I've watched, there was this time, I think it was City of God, yeah, I was watching the movie. That was what actually I've got me uh, interested in the Brazilian culture for a bit because I was watching the movie and then there was this scene um, where there was supposed to be an abolist, um, an, an abolist doing abolist stuff anyway, and then this guy <laughs> sat down. Doing stuff. Yeah, and then this guy sat down and was just like what we saw in the Yoruba movies when we were ki- when we were kids, and then the guy was chanting and then started saying issue issue issue. I was like, oh wait a minute. <laughs> 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 you're like cultural plagiarism i was like what then i had to <laughs> oh. yeah then i had to google issue oh, issue is like issue is like what yorubas called the devil right and um apparently yeah. that's also that's actually he's also a god in um, a deity a i think they call them deities right yeah he's a deity in yoruba culture so I had to like Google that. Sorry, uh, why? Wait, do, why the do... devil is eating Yoruba culture. Yeah, good. <laughs> hmm. Like, why hmm. do Brazilians know these hmm. things? And then I realized yeah, the culture is actually true. very strong there as well. There are a couple of they they actually they actually people who speak Yoruba from birth in yeah. Brazil and have nothing at all to do with Africa. Something like wow. That's, that's <laughs> they have nothing at all to do with that. Yeah, I mean, in the, uh, well, 
if we're not going to go back several generations, you know, and all yeah. that. Yeah. Because I, I think of I think of this book I was reading by Marlon James. It's called The Book of the Night Women. And it just talks about slave trade and how they brought people yeah. uh, from different parts of Africa into Jamaica. Yeah. And a good population of them are Igbo. So you have people speaking ah, Igbo there also, which is very fascinating to me. But it's something that I guess gets lost in history. What is the opinion of Igbo, the Igbo tribe? Like in Nigeria, in the Ni- population opinion. Like, what do you guys? What is the perception of the Ibu tribe in Nigeria? So, that's a weird question. So, that's not to, yeah. <laughs> what, what's your perception, perception of, of the Ibu tribe? No, I just they come to India for three reasons. One is to play football <laughs> because they're very good and they get they're better than the Indians. Um, so they get paid like triple the amount the salaries. Oh. But if they lose more than two matches in a row, they're thrown out. Mm. So, so it's really weird. And uh, so they pa- they're part of the, all the state football clubs. Mm-hmm. Then two for uh, to be part of Bollywood mm-hmm. uh, in 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 some sort of uh, a side role or like like some like a junior artist. And three is for small businesses and sometimes for legal businesses. Okay. So. Yeah, there's uh, so so there was this French documentary filmmaker who I met many years ago, and uh, that was I was like really young, almost ten years ago, and I put together a book for her of the the Africans in India mm-hmm. and what they do. Actually, her focus was specifically on the Ibu tribes in India, and uh, she was applying to the French government for a fund to make a documentary about it. Yeah, yeah, and she got it. Uh, so. And she's she's made some some beautiful cinema, Eliane de la Tour. We should actually check that out. I think that'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. So so what is like? Why do they leave? And why do they come to India? Like why do they leave Nigeria so much? So Ibos <laughs> on the positive side, Ibos are very enterprising. Um, okay. Yes. They. I. I don't think uh, anything is beyond. They don't believe anything is beyond them. So. They are ready to start any business, go into any trade whatsoever, and all of that. You know, like a lot of the imported goods that we use here in Nigeria, and even a lot of the counterfeit goods, because they go out of their way to get um, Chinese companies to make replicas of whatever it is that they see that sells anyway, and come back to sell in Nigeria, and all of that. A lot of them come um, come from Igbo people. So, yeah, they are they are, they are the enterprising tribe. But um, along the line, well, due to cultural differences and all of that, they've also kind of, um, that has earned them sort of a negative reputation amongst Yorubas as well. And I think that can also be partly attributed to maybe the civil war conflict um, back in the 1970s and all. Right. So, yeah. So, um, people see them as they like money, which kind of sounds like a bad thing but at the end of the day ultimately it's a good thing because it's a testament to the fact that well they go out of their comfort zone to make it regardless whatever the yeah, yeah. so I'm i not think st- it's just in the word in terms like it's in the so two people are looking at the same thing and one person decides to label it bad yeah exactly um, i think it depends on how you look at it and what you want to translate it to. Exactly. I prefer to translate it to them being very enterprising. And yeah. of course, if you're enterprising, you're going to make money. Exactly. Like, it's just a no-brainer, right? You're going so, to want money and anyway. make it. You know? Exactly. So, yeah. You're going to it and you're going to make it and you're going to have it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I, I definitely would be very interested in knowing if there are any startups or any companies that are doing something about history education for there Nigeria for a start. Because I, I know honestly that there's a startup called History, like H-S-R-T-R-Y. Mm. And it's about teaching through timelines. Yeah, it's really, I think it's really important because not knowing our history leaves us open to somebody else's interpretation of our history. Yes. And then we take that one as a bias and similar to what club global wants to do like just breaking stereotypes of other cultures we need that for ourselves and yeah. learning from what we know in our past yeah and deciding for ourselves what we want to make yeah. of it i and think also that's our very important. first conversation about the power of the the, the danger of a single story yeah, yeah. recently uh, australia tourism did a uh-huh. did a campaign for australia tourism about it was very disruptive it was called the best job in the world it went viral like it's possible you've heard of it and they just took the most scenic, the most beautiful spot in the world. They said that you have to, you have to win this job and this is how you apply. And basically people had to send video applications about why they think they're the best person for this job. And all you had to do was just like literally, it wasn't much, relax, be at the location and do something very chilled out. But uh, it, it was a really high salary per month. And it was like this place island on the sea and you just get to be there and you have to do something really basic but because it was called the best job in the world that like so many people across the world applied and they research and and part of the research was that you have to know things about australia so they researched like everything about australia to get that best job in the world but that was part of their tourism campaign mm-hmm. and that really worked because yeah. because people got to know and they researched on their own and i think different countries have their own like india has incredible india and from what you tell me about nigeria i already want to visit and see these these butterflies yeah. and this waterfall and it sounds absolutely gorgeous and i think it's uh, yeah about telling stories about mm-hmm. marketing like through some way or the other i think it's important to uh, to communicate what a country has i agree yeah cool yeah. yep so ezra i want to close this up for us Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, Thank you so yes, much, yes. guys. I, I mean, this was like really, really eye-opening for me. Yeah. I feel like Shirin is going to ask me a shitload of questions when we get I off. I am because- so going to ask. Like, I'm just, it's, it's like this new can that's opened <laughs> up and it's like bottomless. It's amazing. <laughs> nice yeah. one, yeah. Um, yeah, while we would actually love for this conversation to go on further, I mean, we can continue this after recording. Because yeah. we've actually yes. gone into one hour thirty six minutes. Actually, yeah. I wish Arti no. also had been part of this, but it's in the middle of the night in India, and I didn't know which direction it was going into. Yeah. But Arti is uh, is my co-founder, and we're like sort of you know it clap has only happened because we sort of found each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, but I do hope I get to meet uh, you guys uh, at some point. Yeah. Two things. So two things. I was actually just one thing. I was randomly thinking about is how. For this to be a, you know, in line with us wanting to do office hours, for this yeah. to be a really cool conversation that could be a, an AMA with our guests eventually, like we could invite them back again for people to ask them questions that yes. came up in their minds when, yes. um, when they heard them talking on the podcast. And I think that would be really cool. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. We should do that. Well, we are not have us to having you multiple times on the show anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, you yes. just... It was nice talking, guys. Thank you so much. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. And um, thank you guys for listening to us as well.